listening to Women's Reality Radio, America's fresh new podcast, bringing you the conversations women really want to be having from coast to coast. Here you'll find refreshingly personal views and insights on business, money, medicine, social issues, and relationships, all produced by women for women. Zero so-called reality celebrity clutter. Women's Reality Radio. Change your conversation. Change your reality. I'm Sherry Young, your host with Women's Reality Radio. Today, our guest is Tisha Morris, feng shui expert based in Nashville and Los Angeles, best-selling author of Decorating with the Five Elements of Feng Shui, Mind Body Home, Transform Your Life One Room at a Time, and thirdly, Feng Shui Your Life, The Quick Guide to Decluttering Your Home and Renewing Your Life, a three-time best-selling author. Tisha also works with uh, clients in their homes, in their businesses, one-on-one. She trains people to become certified in feng shui, and she's well-known as a leading feng shui expert. I'm so glad to have you here today, Tisha. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. So we're talking today, and you're from L.A. at the moment. You're sitting in L.A., and I'm in Tennessee and how fun that we can do this so easily. I love technology. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it brings us all a little bit closer. I just wish we could get a little bit of that that weather that uh, you all have out there. If you could send some some winds this direction. But <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen. We're baking here in the Tennessee <laughs> sun already, and it's May. So let's get started. You know, you and I have known each other for a while. And I think one of the most interesting things about you, to me, is your story and how you actually became a feng shui expert and where you were before and that transition you went through. So would you share that with us? Sure. So, you know, I grew up in a pretty conservative Southern Baptist family, and you know, you you go down the tr- traditional career paths, and you go to college, and you see what majors are available, and uh, feng shui was not available, <laughs> <laughs> nor did I ever heard have had heard of it, um, and uh, it actually went down the the path and became an attorney, and it was never something I actually sought out necessarily to be an attorney and or to practice law per se. It was almost just kind of a default because I couldn't figure out what else what else to do and I liked writing. So and that was during the time when John Grissom was uh, was really hot and, and doing the Memphis um, novels and stuff. And so I went to law school in Memphis and um, and clerked for a few judges after that. And anyway, I, the point is I put off practicing law as long as I could and then as soon as I did start practicing I, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> And was fumbling for what to f- figure out what I could do. Uh, went into design school while I was still practicing law, and, um, and, and this was over a course of about ten years. It was I slowly let go of the law and started um, getting into other things than to design. And then yoga was really the was really what opened my 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 eyes or my third eye, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> into the world of energy. And um, really, finally came full circle with energy and spaces and the design. And then I formally studied feng shui, so it was a really it was a it was a 
it was a it was a slow slow evolution. It seems slow. It may have maybe fast, but it seemed like a slow evolution. Uh, I'm not one to jump off a cliff or a bridge or whatever. Or I need a bridge. I can't jump off a cliff. So <laughs> it was a nice um, it's nice segue. And um, but yeah, it was definitely going from you know the uh, left brain to the right brain and. Um, and now trying to integrate the two, which is which is always good. So, yes. And so, how long have you been practicing as a feng shui consultant? I really started about two thousand eight. Um, I had an energy healing practice first, and then added the feng shui to it. Um, and you know, realizing that energy in the body and energy in the spaces is, is so interrelated. And you, it's hard to talk about one without the other. And this was kind of the impetus of my book, Mind, Body, Home, and really understanding that interrelationship with our, with our space and our body and realizing our space is just a mirror of ourself. It's like our second skin. So there's very few things we have control over in the world, our body we have control over, and really our, our space. And that's about it. And so helping people become you know, conscious of that and, and where you can make changes um, in your home and it will trickle out into all areas of your life. So when I hear you say that, I get really excited because for someone who had myself, for some, as someone who had ne- never heard of feng shui, had not been introduced to the elements of feng shui, um, it's to me, it's a little bit like living in the dark, you know, what you don't know that you don't know. And then once you find it and you have information that you can apply that is life changing, it's a wonderful freeing experience. And for me, although I would say I'm very much a beginner and a novice in the area of understanding and applying feng shui, it has already been life-changing. And uh, there's a story that goes with that. And I, I, won't, I won't go there with that right now, but it's something that you taught me um, about a bedside table on the other side of my bed. You remember that? Yes. <laughs> so that's an, that's an offline conversation. And I'm like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. So uh, anyway, if you could, for our listeners, and specifically to the listener out there who doesn't know what feng shui is, but is curious, let's get real basic. What is feng shui? Can you define it and uh, give us kind of a, a you know basic definition here? Definitely. Well, it translates, feng shui translates to wind, water. And it goes back thousands of years, originated in China. And it was originally used to locate auspicious burial sites for the emperors. And then it slowly became into locating auspicious sites for their palaces. And my point in telling you this very brief history is how much it really has evolved. Um, and I, I like to take the most modern approach to really anything and definitely with feng shui. And so how we use it today is very different than its original in, in, intent. Um, and so my, you know, my, the way I see the feng shui is creating supportive environments as opposed to, I mean, so many, for so many people, our space is, is actually challenging or maybe even sabotaging ourselves and instead creating these supportive spaces um, that recharge our batteries, 
um, a sanctuary, also uh, also a almost like a, a giant vision board. You know, our home is basically a giant vision board, and so <laughs> whatever you have in your home, even your your cupboards cupboards and your closets, um, everything from that to your curtains is a, is a beaming out or emitting out an energy frequency of, of what you're putting out into the world. And so helping people, if there's certain areas in their life that they're being challenged by, it's somewhere in your home and, um, and helping people um, see that and then um, make the change and then voila, um, it, will, <laughs> it will trickle out into uh, to the external Okay. And so when people, I've heard people kind of, uh, who don't know much of anything about feng shui, they might roll their eyes or refer to it as kind of like woo woo, you know, what is that? Is it really real? But you in your practice have actually seen real life changes and even, uh, people becoming freed up or new doors opening, what have you just by applying the practice of feng shui within the home. Yeah, you know, I'm like the most skeptical feng shui consultant probably probably on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. And the the it's actually been my clients and well also myself, my 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 own spaces have have been my best teachers uh, more so than than anything, but um my clients have taught me so much in seeing what what what's what's happened with them. And, you know, a lot of times it's hard to, it's hard to place a tangible, okay, I moved this plant and all of a sudden I won the lottery. It's usually not yeah. like that. It's actually more a deeper internalization changes that take place, which is where real change has to take place within ourselves first. And then you will start to see the, the, the physical manifestations in the, in the external world down the road. So a lot of times it's not this like, you know, presto, you know, like I said, win the lottery kind of thing. Exactly. It's, yeah. And, um, and so helping people, you know, understand that. And, and usually there is, like you said, there is like, I mean, by moving a plant or a couch, there is an immediate release, as you said, release or a feeling of expansion that takes place. My clients can... I, I, when they tune in, can f- actually feel it in their breath, in their body, and realizing that connection of our space is a breathing body that's basically just like our body. And um, yes, yeah, yeah. So how interesting because I think for any skeptics out there, I mean, just to, to me, a real basic example is if you were to walk into a room that's completely full of just clutter and you know, it's untidy and you just kind of have to move things over and find a place to sit. I mean, just the feeling of walking into someone's home, or if you have a room like that in your own home, um, you know, what that feels like and really kind of the anxiety that can stir up and the discomfort versus walking into a room that is clean and it's, uh, you know, there's just not too much stuff in there. You have a little bit, you know, you have enough of what you need. You may have a plant in there. You may have, you know, a nice combination of a comfortable sofa and then a, uh, a wood table or what have you. But, um, just that's a basic comparison to me. So if you, you know, I think we all can identify with that feeling of being in a space that's just uncomfortable versus being in a space that is, it feels good. Right. So that's just, 
you know, just a human experience. So if you take that and you expound on that experience and you were to look at your entire home and your life, you know, it, it begins to make sense. And for me, I did read your first book and your second book. I have not read The Decorating with the Five Elements of Feng Shui, your latest book. But both of those books really break down uh, for the beginner like myself um, how feng shui can be applied. You don't have to be an expert. You really just, in my mind, have to be open and willing. And you mentioned that it starts with the inside. That's where the real work happens. To me, being willing to clean out your home, to rearrange things, it's no different than changing any other habits. You know, what our habits are an extension of what's going on on the inside of us, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, uh, who we surround ourselves with in our lives, and then how we structure our living and working spaces. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. That was so well articulated. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I got it. See, I learned something from your books and your and your workshop. So for those novices out there like me, I would just encourage you to be open and read Tisha's particular to me, the uh, Mind, Body, Home I would say is my favorite book. So I would encourage you all to visit Tisha's website at earthhome.tv. You can shop there. You can connect with her as well and um, get started. Now, let's move on to, uh, this is a bit of a tough question. Um, maybe not tough for you, but, um, you know, being from the South, I'm still in the South. You're <laughs> from the South. And you mentioned having, a, a, I think, a pretty rigid religious upbringing. Um, what do you say to Christians who question feng shui and whether it's acceptable, you know, appropriate, healthy, what have you? How, how, would, you, how would you explain that to if you had that question from a Christian? Yeah, so it's actually never happened to me, believe it or not. Um, but I'm happy wow. to, if it's, I'm happy to <laughs> engage <laughs> if it does. Um, you know, really, at the end of the day, we're talking about science. Um, we're, we're talking about energy. Energy is actually electromagnetic energy. It comes up from the earth and, and into up through the land and into our homes, and then it's swirling all around us. And it really is just science. Uh, and so this is. You know, I love conversations um, about where spirituality and science meet because that's kind of where we're headed in our in our evolution. And but it really is it's the same thing. Uh, so energy, when we talk about chi or energy, it sounds all woo woo, but it's just it really just is science. It's really that simple. Um, okay. And, and what is chi? Can you can you yeah, explain chi is that? Yeah, chi just is the Chinese word for energy. So it sounds all woo woo and like you know whatever, but it's just electromagnetic energy. And, um, yeah, it's really pretty simple, not easy, but simple. And, you know, I have a kind of extra sensory ness, uh, of tapping into the unseen world of energy and there's energy floating all around us. And most people can't see it. It's on another, it's on another frequency. Um, and so I, you know, particularly when I tune into it in people's spaces, I can, I can feel and see things that most people aren't as sensitive, but it's still affecting them, even though they're not so aware of it. And so that's 
you know, the example you gave just a minute ago of walking into a cluttered house versus a non-cluttered house, um, even on a more uh, subtle level of just a table out of place, I can feel and sense that. And um, the homeowner may not, but they are. They don't realize it. <laughs> yes. So how do you deal with that situation if you have a client who can't see, you know, the root of the problem? How do you how do you communicate that to the yeah, client? Yeah, well, assuming that they're on board, which they usually are, we'll, we'll move the table or whatever it is. And they can, and I have them, you know, feel into it and they actually can. It's like, once we actually bring our awareness or attention into something like that, um, we, we all have the ability and they can feel immediately the difference. So, um, yeah. Wow. So there's not really any proving or explaining. Again, you're just applying the science and then the client experiences the results of that. That's right. Okay. Now walk me through for our listeners out there who would want to connect with you. I know you're very busy. I know that you uh, do work with people virtually and on your website, you offer many different classes that people can, can take. Um, But if someone wanted to hire you to work with them, either virtually or in person, if that were doable, then Walk me through that process. What happens? Sure. So you first have you fill out a short questionnaire or form online, or um, and to see you know why you're hiring me. You know what 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 is it? is it in your home or in your life? You know I I, I try to meet people where they are and really address um, what what's not working, whether it's a room or their finances, you know, I can, I can, we can approach things from the house's perspective or we can approach things from your life's perspective that ends up, ends up the same thing either way. Um, you know, I, I do anything from picking out paint colors and making a living room look pretty to, um, to, you know, excavating ghosts, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so getting on the same page of, you know, what's what's working and what's not working and where can we address that in the home. And so if I'm working um, virtually, then, um, you know, you'll send me pictures of the, of the areas of the home of concern or we can do it by Skype and we can walk through the house. Um, and then if it's in person, then um, then obviously I'm there in person and we can uh, uh, address it then. So, yeah. so it's posi- go ahead. I'm sorry. There's positives and there's positives in both. With, with the virtual, I can actually be a little more intuitive in some ways of ways that I can't be in person. And then in person, I can be um, obviously there and, and moving things if needed. Um, right. So yeah. Right. So for someone who out will use me as as an example because that's how I met you. You came into my life. I I found you through a Google search in Nashville, and I was looking for a feng shui expert. I had just come out of a long marriage, and I had a lot of stuff, and I I had a lot of stuff I didn't want. I had a lot of we items I didn't want. I wanted my stuff, and really didn't even know where to start. So. For a client like me who's in that situation, I think there are a lot of women in particular in that situation because we end up with a lot of things Mm -hmm. uh, Mm post-relationship. How, you know, 
it's an overwhelming feeling. What can that person expect from you to, uh, in their time with you? Yeah. So, you know, whether you're working with me or working on your own, I, I have what I call a three-step process to feng shui, really feng shui anything. When I'm using the word feng shui is a word for using change. So three steps to change anything in your life. And the first step is removing. So r- removing, uh, removing what is no longer in your highest and best interest to have in your life to keep. And so this is basically the decluttering phase. And the reason I came up with this process is because I found that people wanted to jump to what is actually step three first. Um, they want to <laughs> see what they can add to their house. Where can I add a plant? Where can I add a crystal? Where can I add, you know, this or that and that? And like, no, 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 no. First of all, that, that's just this, that's just like putting a Band-Aid over, over the problem. Um, and so really taking people back to step one, which is removing. And so this is really the decluttering the decluttering phase. We have to remove what's not working in our life um, before we can have clarity about really what we want. Like I said, this is a three steps to anything in your life, whether it's, you know, a job relationship or where you're living or whatever the case is, you know, figuring out what's not working, what, and so in the house, what tangible items do not, do I not need or want or taking up valuable space for, for something new to come in. And then once you've um, done that step, the second step is rearranging. So let's say you say, say it's a, a, like a guest bedroom that's become a catch all space and so you remove the, uh, the, the things that, you know, the, the, the wrapping paper and the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that's not, a, <laughs> and then you can rearrange, maybe, maybe you can actually fit another side table in there or something or, or, or rearrange it so that you can have, um, things in an order. And then yes. step three is then, um, if, if even necessary, a lot of times the step three isn't even necessary then you can add things. You can add a plant or add a crystal or whatever. People are always wanting to add things. And like, <laughs> yes, like yes. add a crystal to a cluttered room, you just get more clutter. <laughs> yes. And I don't, what, what is that with human nature? We, there's, we just have to acquire, you know, just right. acquire, acquire. And we just keep piling on without noticing the need to shed. Yes. And I think when you taught me that, in, in my first um, experiences with you, I remember standing, <laughs> you may not remember this, I have this visual in my head, but we <laughs> opened my hall closet, which was under the staircase as you come in the front door. And it, it was one of those catch-all closets, like everything that you can imagine was in there from, you know, baseball equipment to... <laughs> winter coats to Christmas paper to, I don't know, China. I mean, stuff that wouldn't fit in the China cabinet. I mean, you, I was, you open the door and you have to like open it slowly, you know, so you don't (laughs) get, and that's what it was. And I remember remember you do. Yeah. I think um, it was in your health section actually. Yeah. And I felt terrible and I couldn't figure out why, because I had just gotten free from what was an unhealthy situation. I'm like, I should feel great. Um, but anyway, um, we started, we started and I, I remember you focused on, uh, a, a terrible closet in my bonus room, which had all kinds of stuff dating back to my children's birth. Um, 
But then we moved into that area. And so I worked on that bonus room closet first, and it felt so great. And then I remember opening that door to start on that hall closet. And it's like when you get serious about this stuff, you can't wait, you know? Mm-hmm. You get so excited because it's like, yes, I, you know, it, it's, I don't remember even thinking consciously, this is going to change my life or I'm going to feel better. It's the experience of the purging that is very healing and freeing. Mm, yes. You know, and then the lasting effect of having the absence of the clutter is, you know, very life giving as well. So, I just want to encourage listeners out there not to be overwhelmed because I remember thinking before I met you, oh my goodness, I mean, this is going to take me a year to get through this entire house. How am I even going to do this? And then when you broke it down for me, and we, I think we focused on three areas in the home, um, three key areas for me and what mm-hmm. was going on in my life situation, um, it became very doable. And so, good. Yeah. thank you. Yeah, that's what I, I try to help clients prioritize the areas, and and also, I mean, if you're doing it on your own, then you know, starting with the easy, the easy stuff first, and just to like stuff you don't even have to think about. There's no emotional attachment. You can just get rid of it. Goodwill, easy. And that's going to just free up some energy and, and get your own energy moving and motivate you to keep going. Yeah. And it, it can also free up some cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of clients like find, like literally find money or like, yeah. find items that are like worth a lot or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when the time is right for you to then add in some things that enrich your experience in your home, um, and add to the energy that that is needed you and you direct your clients and in, in that then you know you may have a little extra cash to do it you certainly feel better and you have a clean slate yes i've actually been in the adding phase of my life it's been really fun because when i moved to la and i sold everything except for what would fit in my car to drive cross country so a major major decluttering phase and um and so since then, now I have enough for a small moving van, and um, it's been really, really fun and um, and um, fulfilling to be so conscious about every single item that I bring into my life now. Hmm. And this is actually I did this when I was writing the book Decorating with the Five Elements, which is actually about kind of the adding phase. Um, Although there's a major disclaimer at the beginning of before you add anything, remove. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's not about, you know, accumulating a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, the decorating the five balance, which is probably why you haven't gotten to that book yet. You're not there yet. <laughs> no, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm almost ready because, you yeah. know, I told you I'm moving soon. So, yes. Um, yeah. So I'm starting with all white walls. For now, nice, and, and then we'll figure out the rest a, as we go. So yep. the clean slate, y- yes, yes. So I want to um, 
quickly just shout out to moms of small children. (laughs) And I know that's not every listener. Um, You know, we're all in different seasons of life, but, but I am particularly sensitive to mothers with small children because I remember having, you know, two kids hanging off either side of the buggy and one sitting in it and going through Target and like doing the haul and you get to the checkout and you have like, you know, at least twice as much of what that you had planned. Right. <laughs> and, and you've you don't got have to have t- small children for that. <laughs> OK. All right. Maybe you just you don't. <laughs> Adults. I do that as an adult. You're right. But I do think it's particularly tough with small children because we end up with so much stuff, you yeah. know, and even our living spaces. I remember uh, we were, you know, not having a home with a, a, a dedicated playroom. So all the kids' toys were in baskets in the family room, right? So it's not very pretty to look at. It's quite practical, but it's a two or three times a day, pick up, clean up, start over. So for the mom out there who's like, oh my goodness, I can't even think feng shui. I'm just trying to find the the missing socks right now, right? right? (laughs) (laughs) So... What kind of advice would you give her, any kind of encouragement you can offer? So as soon as it's age appropriate, um, having and teaching them to clean up for themselves or, you know, put toys back into the bin or whatever the case is, um, you know, being, being, well, being an example yourself, you know, first of all, and then teaching them or showing them and make it in a fun way, because really kids really love order in spaces. I mean, they, they'll make a mess while they're playing and everything and they'll just kind of leave it. But at the end of the day, they actually, their systems, you know, they want order. You know, there's a sense of security and safety around that when, when things are in order. So it is inherent for them to want, to want an orderly environment. Um, and a lot of times they just need to be shown how to do that. And, you know, parents, um, examples are huge um, of, 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 of patterns that they can set that will that they will keep going in throughout their life, you know, in college and so forth. Now, yeah. we're all kind of programmed differently of a little more messy people, creative messy people, or, or a little bit more anal perfectionist. Even you can probably see that in your kids from a very, very early age. And so there is a kind of a pre-wiring within each kid already. Yes. Um, but even with not, notwithstanding you know, we all, we all want order to some degree because especially in our home, I mean, this is the only place in the world where we can feel safe and secure. And if it's a crazy mess, then there's not going to be a sense of grounding. Yes. So, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect by any means, you know, the, um, and then there is, you know, we all feel different. We all have a different, we all have a different measure of what, how much stuff around us feels good. And for some of us, it's more stuff and that's fine. And for other people, it's more minimal and that's fine. But the important thing is to know what feels good to you and what doesn't. And I think it's pretty apparent. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you know, what you're talking about now is really less, you know, it's interesting because um, it's less about the parent child, because as parents, we do actually, you know, despite the impulsive buys and target, you know, and, and, and the things that we 
suffer through as mothers, um, you know, at, at the mercy of screaming children or whatever, you know, there, I, I don't care what, how great of a parent you are, you're going to have those days. But in the home setting, you may have a roommate, you may have uh, a spouse or life partner, you're living together, and you don't necessarily have the same sensitivity to the volume of things in the room. And I think that is how often I'll just ask you rather than say, how often do you come across that issue between partners? 99% of the time. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I keep saying I'm going to write a book on that because it comes up every, every, like all the time. Wow. It's it's that the opposites attract kind of thing of uh, the the pack rat attracts the the neat freak. (laughs) Yes. And, um, and so, you know, there has to be a level of compromise and this, uh, this obviously plays out in the relationship as well. You know, like I said, our home is a mirror of ourselves, but it's also a mirror of our relationship. And and so where there's, where there needs to be compromise in the home, there's obviously a need for that in the relationship and areas as well. So what I encourage people in those situations to do is in the common living spaces, like the living room, kitchen, those are the areas where you you have to strike a compromise of um, you know whether it's the amount of stuff or how much space you're taking up, or whatever. And then you each have your own individual space somewhere in the house. And obviously, depending on how big your house is, is going to determine how how much you can take up. But somewhere, even if it's just a shelf on a bookshelf, like somewhere you have a space that is all yours. You can be as messy or you can be as neat as you want with it. And your partner can do the same with his or her space. And so you have a sense of self-expression somewhere in the home. I find this a lot with mothers of where they um, they have no space in the house that's theirs. It's either their kids or their husbands. And this is a very much of a, um, a, a mirror of, of where they feel in their life. They're always um, taking um, last place and never having yes. time on their own. And not yeah. putting them to be, putting everyone else first and them last, and it that starts to really wear on their health over time. Yes, that we as women undervalue yes. ourselves. So, wow, I can see that how that would show up in the home, and yeah. and so then what do you do in that situation? Well, the the mom um, really has to put a boundary over and, and really claim for herself. Um, and this is a boundary thing of of you know putting herself. Um, first in some area, even if it's just like the bathtub area, like her, a spa area, or I mean, obviously if you have, you can have, um, if you have a space to have your own home office or hobby room or whatever your interests are, or yoga room, meditation room, you have the space for that really, um, owning and claiming one of the rooms in the house that if you don't have the space for that, just somewhere, maybe it's your closet and how you can have your vision board or whatever in there. But it's so important for, for women and moms to claim, to, to find to find themselves because it's so easy in that stage of life to lose oneself in your kids and the and being mom and all those things and then forgetting about yourself. So carving that that out in the home somewhere. Yes. Yes. And I think for men too. You know, really um you we've heard, you know, men talk about the man cave, right? right. Yes. So well, they, so for a man, have, to, I find that they actually have a. They're better with boundaries than women. Stereotypically <laughs> speaking, they they have no problem. Like, yeah, I'm going to take this room as my office, um, and 
but yeah, I mean, obviously both everyone in the house needs a right to some space of their own. Um, yes. So for all you women out there who have, who've been overruled, overtaken, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) you've got maybe your car. See, that reminds me when my kids were little and, uh, my husband was an attorney and oftentimes he would work from home and he had that home office and he would go in and shut the door and disappear. But I remember my car being my space and how ridiculous is that? But I do think women, it's like when the kids are out of the car and if the (laughs) the spouse or partners in the home, it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, I'll just go you know, sit in the car in the garage and open the, open the windows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and it's so pathetic, but you know, we do create those situations. Often we allow those situations and it's very simple and it's very healthy to say, you know what? I need a little room here Mm -hmm. and, and we all need a little room and that's okay. So, um, Tisha, if you would, I think we've got about three minutes left. Uh, let our listeners know, again, earthhome.tv, but tell us what kinds of things they can find on your website. I think you've got some workshops, some online activities they can participate in. Uh, go ahead and share that with us if you would. Yeah, even um, signing up for my newsletter, you can get a free um what we call the Bagua map in feng shui where it shows where each area of your life falls within your home and you can uh, start you know just bringing some awareness of what's going on in your house looking at those spaces so that's free you can get you can do that today and then of course my books are available um and then as you mentioned i have online courses that you can do on your own feng shui for the diy and then if you really are um maybe wanting to add this uh maybe you're a holistic um healer or, or in the or in the real estate business or some and you want to get certified in feng shui i have a certification courses my next one online you can you can join anywhere from around the world and that can all be found at my website earthhome.tv Uh, Will you join us again in a few months and let's do a check-in? Absolutely. Okay, great. Follow Tisha, connect with her at earthhome.tv. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this Women's Reality Radio podcast. Tune in daily, browse our online podcast library, and subscribe to womensrealitydaily.com for real-life, relevant articles delivered direct to your inbox. To be a guest on one of our podcasts or to purchase a monthly sponsorship, email us at contact at womensrealitynetwork.com. 